be here. Liz said that I needed to do the, the adverts um, because she's out in Children's Church. So we, have, we carry a number of books with us. Some of you have seen this book in another form, perhaps, um, written by my father-in-law, Tom Foster, one of the founders of our movement. And uh, this is um, actually our son on the front of it and on the back of it. Um, we needed somebody to uh, portray the content of the book. And uh, this is a book for people who have had trauma, have had hurts, um, have been through experiences that keep on hurting them. Jesus went to the cross so that you could be free from the hurts of the past, the hurts of the present, and amazingly, the hurts that we haven't experienced yet. Jesus dealt with all of those at the cross. And this book has many testimonies in it about people who um, receive prayer for inner healing, in emotional healing. And uh, you can read this, be encouraged, and say the prayers yourself and allow God to liberate you from uh, the past, the present, and the future of pain. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that... Um, you, where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. Lord, we thank you that you are here and that by your spirit you are speaking to each individual. Lord, as they listen to the thoughts that you place in their mind, they will be edified. We ask these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, praise the Lord. Okay, um, I've been a Christian since I was 14 and I'm uh, going to be 74 this year so I'll make it easy, you can work out how old I am. Um, but, you know, it's very easy to sit in church and not fully comprehend what's being said. It's very easy to read God's word and not really fully comprehend what God's Word is telling us. And this morning, I'm going to give a presentation that hopefully for some of you, it will clarify certain things that you may not even have been aware that you were confused about. But as you watch my presentation from God's Word, you'll begin to realise, hey, I never saw it quite that way before. For those of you who have seen it this way before, I want you to take note and to be able to use what I'm presenting for the glory of God in helping other people who haven't yet clarified what the Word of God is really saying. Okay? So this morning, I want to talk to you about the finished work. Hanging on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Now, most of you know that. Um, the Greek word that he used is 
tetelestii. And that word means paid in full. It literally means completed. But it also has within it the meaning the will is fully implemented. So, you know, Jesus went to the cross and died and he'd made his will and Paul tells us that the will is of no value until the person dies. And the blood is the evidence of the death of a person. And so without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And we need to understand very clearly that when Jesus went to the cross, by dying, he actually uh, brought into being the new covenant. He caused the new covenant to become a reality. It's like, um, you know, some of uh, our children um, are hanging out for when we die so that they can cash in on our will. Um, not too much, but, you know, <laughs> there is that thought. Um, but, you know, Jesus couldn't trust anybody else to make sure that his will was implemented properly. So he rose again and became the executor of his own will. Is that good news? You betcha it's good news. Praise the Lord. Jesus reconciled us to God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, the hostility, the anger, which is caused by the law of commandments contained in ordinances, and might reconcile them both, the old covenant people and the new covenant people, in one body to God through the cross. And by it, having put to death the enmity. Now the enmity or the anger or the, uh, that which was against us was because of the law. But God has dealt with the law. As it says in Colossians 2 verse 14, nailing it to the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, the old covenant went to the cross. And a new covenant was implemented. And we need to be sure as born again new covenant believers that we're not still living under the old covenant. That we're not still trying some of those old covenant scriptures and claiming them for ourselves. You know, there's a scripture that says um, that if we do all the things God's way, and there's quite a few different scriptures about this, then God will bless us. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do things God's way, but I want to tell you good, good news is that Jesus did everything God's way on our behalf. And it, if you happen to slip up, God doesn't zap you. He still loves you. He still approves of you. He may not approve of your behavior, but 
He approves of you as a person. And you're accepted by him because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's finished. Okay? In Hebrews 8, verse 13, when he, God, said, a new covenant he has made the first obsolete. I don't know whether you um, know or have considered that scripture, but, you know, if uh, the local car dealer is several cars that he's been trying to flog and uh, brand new but a new model comes out now the old model is still good still usable it is not obsolete it's superseded but you see when the law <coughs> When the law was nailed to the cross, it became obsolete, of no value anymore, not workable anymore, obsolete. And it's important for us to realize that when the new covenant came into being, became a reality, that it made the old covenant obsolete. Say that to the person next to you, obsolete. Obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete is growing old and is ready to disappear. This is what the Word of God says. Uh, law keeping. Sorry, I better make sure that yes, I'm having difficulty with this thing here this morning for one reason or another. Law keeping or enjoying grace. Now I'm going to draw a comparison because. By drawing a comparison, I trust that you'll be able to see what I'm saying clear. Years ago when I was a young pastor, I, uh, some people were leaving the church and they came up to me and they said, we're, we're leaving, we're going to um, another church. And, uh, but we want to thank you because your ministry has helped us considerably and uh, you, you preach so simply. And I thought they were having a backhanded compliment, <laughs> having a shot at me. Um, but I realised that preaching simple is very important. Preaching, if you want to hear a complicated sermon, they say, get somebody young up on the platform. <laughs> now, really young, I'm not talking about Andrew. <laughs> if you want to hear a simple sermon, get an old guy. The grey hairs... Um, they have to uh, make it simple. So a man under the law, in Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 22, many of you know this scripture, Paul is describing his life under the law, under the old covenant. Many people, um, not realising what Paul is doing, have not reading the whole thing in context, um, think that this is how the Christian life should be. You know, the things that I... I don't want to do, I find myself doing, and the things that I really want to do, I struggle to do. You know, they think that's normal Christianity. But I want to tell you that's the old covenant. You see, God wrote the law, put it out there for them, and uh, the people of Israel said, when they were presented with the law, Moses read it to them and they said, this we will do. 
And from that moment on, they began to break every one of them. <laughs> and you see, when you're trying to live up to a standard, to an expectation, inevitably, at one stage or another, you're going to miss it. And as somebody said, you know, a bridge that goes seven-eighths of the way across the river is totally useless. If you're keeping, you know, nine-tenths of the law, 99.9% .9 of it, and you break one part, the Word of God tells us, you might have well done the lot because it's no good. Jesus had to come and do it for us. So we need a comparison. Man under grace. In Romans chapter 8 and verses 1 through 17, Paul describes his life under the new covenant, under grace, under a new creation life in Christ Jesus. We need to realize that the old has gone, the new has come. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has gone. It's not just the old nature that was crucified. The old accusation, the law, has gone. And a new relationship has been birthed. Is that good news? See, the gospel is good news. So what's your mindset? Is it an old covenant mindset? Do you believe that God's people are still under old covenant laws? Or do you have a new covenant mindset? Do you believe God's people are under new covenant grace? It's very easy for us to fall back under the old covenant. Old covenant thinking says Jesus dealt with sin at the cross. But we're still sinners waiting for his return to set us free from sin. Now, I want to say to you, I meet a lot of people. Um, I probably prophesy over a thousand people every year. And I meet a lot of people as we travel around. And I've been a pastor uh, for 36 years and the last seven years on top of that. Um, so you work out. Um, but uh, I find there's a lot of believers who think they're still sinners. Jesus came to put a stop to you being a sinner. And by rising again, he gave you new life and that new life is a sinless life. You have the nature of God. God's sinless nature. Praise the Lord. It's hard to understand, it's hard to accept even, but it's the truth and you sang it this morning. The new covenant thinking is Jesus dealt with all of our sins at the cross once and for all. You see, Jesus isn't coming back again and going to be doing something that is going to set you free from sin. He's already done it at the cross. It's finished. It's a finished work. At the cross, he set you free from the vestiges of sin, made you totally free, free indeed, a new creation, all those things that we love to think about. It's finished. We are 
as he wants us to be. It's getting very quiet here this morning. You can see the wheels going round. Is it good news that I've got Adam's fallen nature tripping me up from time to time? Is that good news? You can answer. <laughs> or New Covenant thinking says, my sin nature died when Jesus died at the cross. I'm crucified with Christ, Galatians says. God gave me his divine nature in 2 Peter chapter 1, 4, enabling me to live free from sin. Okay? Now, if you're, you're not getting the notes, um, I'm going to leave the presentation on the computer so that um, if you want a copy of the PowerPoint, you'll be able to get it. Um, because what's the sense in me coming here and preaching something and then um, it all goes with me? Um, I, wanna, I want you to, to grasp what I'm saying this morning. In Romans 6, verse 6, some um, people say that Romans is the sixth book of the New Testament, 666. Um, it's the answer to the sin question. Knowing this, that our old self, what does it say? was crucified with him. But you say, I didn't feel like it. I was. Well, who's talking about feelings? We're living by faith. So we were crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with. That the body of sin might be done away with. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. You see, nobody's going to hell because they're sinners. Shock, horror. Nobody's going to hell because they're sinners because Jesus dealt with sin, all of it, at the cross. The reason people go to hell is because they fail to accept the free gift. Righteousness in Christ. They haven't accepted the free gift. And if you don't accept the free gift, you can't go to be with God and live in heaven eternally. So what's your understanding? Old covenant thinking, we still have to keep the old covenant laws which lead to death and condemnation. Who wants to do that? Or... New Covenant thinking says we live our life secure in the knowledge of the New Covenant grace, abundant life. Old Covenant says God's people are sinners, continually needing to make fresh sacrifices in or, or doing penance to be accepted by God. That's Old Covenant thinking. New Covenant thinking says God's people are justified made holy, saints, righteous, sanctified, perfected, completing Christ, renewing our minds, all made possible through his sacrifice at the cross. It's finished. It's finished. We're in. We don't have to worry that if Jesus came and we had mucked up the day before... <laughs> and we hadn't really dealt with it properly, that we might miss out. 
We're in. Not because of anything that you've done, but because of everything that Jesus has done. Is that good news? Don't get so excited. <laughs> the old covenant says God's people hunger and thirst for him. Oh, it's a New Testament scripture. Hang on a minute. When did the new covenant begin? At the cross with the resurrection. So this is prior to the resurrection. Okay, hungering and thirsting after God is old covenant. God's people are completely satisfied by him and in him. You know, Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. He said to her, if you come to me and drink of the water that I could give you, what will happen? You'll never thirst again. You'll be satisfied. So he was speaking about the new covenant. He was still under the old covenant. So was she to a certain extent because she was a Samaritan believer as such. But you know, we need to know that we are satisfied. You know, some of these songs that are going around, and I don't want to cast dispersions on anybody, but the fact of the matter is they're old covenant. And they're getting people to say old covenant things. And you know, we preachers are limited. We only get one shot a week. <laughs> the song leader gets up and they sing that song over and over and over again. Teaching wrong doctrine. That's why it's so important that we sing songs that have new covenant teaching. That are not old covenant in their concepts. So we see... The Old Covenant says the Holy Spirit convicts believers of their sin. John 6, verse 8. It's an Old Covenant scripture. You see, we need to understand that when Jesus came, he was talking to people under the law. And if he had have talked to them about the New Covenant, they would have stoned him to death. Jesus was a law teacher. He was the very best law teacher that there had ever been because he taught the law the way God intended to be understood. Most of the time he taught the law. I can see if some of you are doing hijinks in, in your head. But we need to understand he taught them what the law was supposed to be understood like so that they could See how helpless. See, the purpose of the law wasn't to save people. The purpose of the law was to show them how far away from God they were and how totally and un unable they were to reconcile themselves by their own efforts to God. The law came to condemn us. Jesus came to set us free. Is that good news? You betcha. Okay, New Covenant thinking says the Holy Spirit persuades believers of their righteousness in Christ. You know, we often hear people around the table of the Lord and they say, let a man examine himself 
and so let him eat. Um, because if you don't, you'll eat and drink condemnation to yourselves. Um, and so they say, now just take a few moments to see if there's anything that you haven't dealt with this week. That's not what it's saying. That is not what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, let a man examine himself on the basis of what Jesus has done, the finished work of the cross. How do you see yourself? Because if you don't, and if you're still worrying about the fact that you spoke to your mother-in-law or your wife or your husband or whoever in a nasty way, if you're still worrying about that and you're thinking, oh God, how can I drink the communion and eat the bread? Because I'm going to eat condemnation to myself. No, you'll eat condemnation to yourself if you don't know the truth because the truth sets you free. Some of you know that, but some of you are not too sure. Let me tell you, the truth liberates you, sets you free. Praise God. Lots of scriptures to tell us that. The old covenant thinking says God's people are slaves to sin. Well, I, the devil made me do it. Well, I couldn't help it. After all, I'm just human. If you've been born again of the Spirit of God, let me tell you, you're not just human. You're an earthen vessel indwelt by the presence of God. We have... Christ in us, the hope of glory, the hope of living a glorious life with the nature of God, an overcoming life, a victorious life. Praise God. God has given us freedom from sin. He's given us liberty in Christ. And that's not to say that you can go out and do what you like and sin up and, you know, but it's saying that you've got a new nature now. Live by it. It's the nature of God. Live with the power of the new nature. You see, God doesn't sin. It's his nature you have. Some people say, if you preach grace like this, people are going to sin. They're going to go out and say, well, I don't have to worry. All my sins are dealt with at the cross. No, no, you don't understand the truth. The truth sets you free. The truth says you've got a new nature, God's nature. And God's nature doesn't sin. Whatsoever is born of God, it says in 1 John, sinneth not. I know I'm quoting from the old King James, but you get the message. You get the message. We need to understand that we are new creations with a new nature. We don't have to sin. We're not slaves to sin anymore. We've been liberated. We've been set free from the power of sin. God's people are slaves to righteousness. What it says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 19, we're slaves to righteousness. We want to do it. We, we find ourselves doing it automatically because it's coming out of our divine nature. The divine nature of God that God placed inside of us, enabling us to be slaves to righteousness. Is that good news? It is. God's kindness leads us to repentance. We slip up. God's Holy Spirit says, well, that wasn't so good, was it? But don't you know that you're righteous? Don't you know that you're righteous? 
oh yeah, sorry Lord, thank you for reminding me that I'm righteous. Don't behave that way anymore. The old covenant says God destroys the sinners because of their sin. But the new covenant says God destroyed sin, singular, in the body of Christ on the cross so that sinners can be saved and become saints. You see, some people get embarrassed if I was to say to you, now turn to somebody and say, I'm saint and use your name. How would you feel if I asked you to do that? Would you be embarrassed about that or would that be, you know, okay with you? Okay with one or two of you? But some of you to just put that word saint in front of your name, like Saint Robert, you know, sounds a little bit pretentious. But that's who I am. That's who you are. You're a child of God. You're a saint because of what Jesus did, not because of anything that you've done. It wasn't because you've lived a particularly holy life or done some miracle or whatever it is that the Catholic Church tell us you have to do to qualify to be a saint. We qualify to be saints because of what Jesus did. Is that good news? You betcha. Under the old covenant, God's people continually need to ask him for forgiveness. But under the new covenant, God's people are already forgiven. And thank him for the forgiveness that he wrought at the cross. Okay? And the old covenant says, forgive us. This is quoting from the disciples' prayer, or some people call it the Lord's Prayer. But it happened, remember, before the cross. It was law. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What's wrong with that as far as new covenant is concerned? Hmm? Yeah. Something else? What's wrong with it? Exactly. It's conditional. It's conditional. You have to do something to get it. You know, Liz used to preach a great sermon, fantastic message, made everybody squirm in their seat, um, from Matthew 18. She had illustrations and all of that, and she used to like to preach it because she felt like it was really bringing conviction. But it's not our job to bring conviction, it's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. But Matthew 18 is Old Covenant. Jesus was talking to old covenant people who were under the law. Under the new covenant. Forgive each other just as the Lord has already forgiven you. So also should you. Colossians 3.13 What's that? Unconditional. So we forgive because we're already forgiven. We don't have any access to grind because we've been forgiven. Nobody's got any access. Well, at least God doesn't have an axe to grind with us because Jesus dealt with our sin at the cross. Now, I know for some here this morning, I'm really messing with your theology. And that's a good thing because I'm telling you the truth. God's word says these things. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm showing you on the... What the Word of God is saying. 
God removes his presence from his people when they sin. That's what old covenant people thought. Under the new covenant, God said he would never leave us or forsake us. Good news? New covenant. Lo, I am with you always. Good news? Okay. Nothing can separate us from his love. Good news? Praise the Lord. The mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. You see, God wants us to know the truth because the truth sets us free. It's not the law that's going to set you free because the law is only going to condemn you. It's only going to bring you into bondage. It's only going to make you try harder, pull up your socks, turn over a new leaf, try and get, gain God's approval by what you're doing. God is saying, no, no, you don't have to do it. Jesus did it on your behalf. You have to take hold of what he has done for you and make it yours. Oops, I'm pressing the wrong button here. Under the old covenant, the law focuses on self-sacrifice and human effort. Under the new covenant, God focuses on the sacrifice of Jesus and the finished work of Calvary. So should we. Praise God. Old covenant thinking says God's people do his work to gain his favour. Who wants the favour of God? Okay. Well, under the old covenant, you have to work for it. Under the new covenant, God's people work for him because they already have his favour. We're sub subjects of God's favour and mercy. That's what it says in Romans. We're destined to love and to serve him because we have his favour. We, we want to do, we want to please him because he looks favourably towards us. We don't have to do it. We don't have to do it to try and gain his favour because we already have his favour. I have God's favour. God is, looks on me favourably. Now sometimes other people don't do that, but that's their problem. God looks on us favourably. Is that good news? It is. Ephesians 2.10 Old covenant thinking says God's people are constantly crying out for more of God. You know, if God was to answer that prayer, they'd have more of God than God has. How can you have more of God when you have God living in you all of God not just part of God what you need is a revelation that you have him all all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Christ and you are complete in him okay so you've got all of God New Covenant says God's people already have everything they will ever need. 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 says you've got all things that pertain to life and godliness. You don't have to strive and struggle and, you know, somehow uh, pull up your socks, work harder, turn over a new leaf to do it. Just accept that it's been given to you freely. Freely you have been given. Receive it. 
God the Holy Spirit in all his fullness lives within all believers. From the moment you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you like a well of living water. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, he overflows you and rivers of living water flood out of you. But the Holy Spirit came into your life when you were born again. You know, a lot of people, when we're praying for them for the baptism as we travel around, um, they think that the Holy Spirit's going to come from heaven like he did on the day of Pentecost. He did that once. Not anymore. The rest of the instances you'll find, the other instances where the Holy Spirit came into believers' lives, he came in when, it, when they received Christ and the Holy Spirit overflowed them out of their innermost being, as Jesus said he would. Old covenant thinking said, God's people pray for revival. New covenant thinking says, God's people live in revival and spread revival wherever they go. Mark 16:20. Woo! Glory to God! <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah. You know, the truth sets us free. You don't have to pray for revival. You are revival. You bring revival with you. Hallelujah. Old covenant thinking says God performs signs and wonders and miracles randomly when he feels like it. Sort of sovereign acts. Don't worry about them. I'm still preaching. <laughs> under the new covenant, Christians perform signs and wonders and miracles under the direction and through the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells them. Okay? We need to understand that. It's us, guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit that do, do signs and wonders. They went everywhere, the scripture says. God working with them. Okay, Old Covenant thinking says God's people think God is in a bad mood. Well, New Covenant people know that God's people is in a great mood. He's in a great mood because he's giving abundant life granting great promises, bestowing free gifts, so on and so on. God is in a great mood. Who believes God's in a great mood? Woo! Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it's easy to spot a new covenant teaching. You ask yourself, does it point to what I need to do or does it point to what Jesus has already done for me? See, that's... If it's saying what you have to do, all covenant thinking. It says what Jesus has done for you, it's new covenant thinking. Does it make me inwardly looking or does it shift my focus to Christ? A new covenant teaching will always point me to Jesus. Go and enjoy living in the finished work of the cross. Thank you, Liz.